0: Well, you might be wondering why I chose that video. Can you guys hear me? And it really wasn't to throw you dads under the bus. That wasn't my intention at all. But a friend of mine posted that this week, and I found it really funny, the um, juxtaposition of the mothering instinct that was clearly already there in the girls at five years old and maybe not so much in the boys. You know, it's kind of that whole nature versus nurture argument. Maybe it's nature when it's girls, and maybe it has to be kind of nurtured in the boys. But, you know, it made me think that probably God knows what he's doing. You know, he knows the load that mothers are going to end up having to carry. And there are going to be times they've really got to dig deep and um, operate out of a real sense of that mothering instinct, you know, to be able to carry them through uh, the load that they'll have to carry throughout their, their kids' childhood and even to adulthood, as most of the moms here of adult children can attest. So the name of my uh, message today is simply Mom Be Encouraged. I was uh, thinking, what, do I, what would I want to hear? Because sometimes we have Mother's Day messages and we talk about moms. Sometimes we have Mother Day's, M- Mother's Day messages and we talk to moms. And I thought, well, you know, what I, what I do, what I like to do most is just draw from some of my own experience and um, think about times along the way that um, places maybe I didn't do so well or maybe I needed a little extra encouragement. And hopefully one or two of the things that I share, one or two of the points, will connect with you. And hopefully you can go away with something. And maybe even some of you that aren't moms will find something that you can go away with. Um, You know, my first point, which I think is the biggest one, it's the most important one, but it's also the one that can be the hardest to really get across in words, is walk in the honor that God says you are endowed with all know, uh, I could name 10 or 12 scriptures where God makes it clear that we are to honor moms. The one that we're probably most familiar with is um, Exodus 20, 12, the Ten Commandments, where it says, honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. As some of you may or may not know, that's the only commandment with a promise where not only is it a command. And, you know, if you're like me, if God gives a command, that's enough for me. I don't need to know that I'm going to get something out of it. But he actually says, well, here's my command. And if you do this thing, it's going to go well with you um, in your life. And so um, today I would encourage you, I would like to think that most of you have already figured out ways to honor your mom today. Um, you probably, some of you, I see them here with you today. Some of you probably have a plan after church. Maybe you called them this morning like John did. He called his mom in Ohio. But um, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, that is a challenge for me. And I just really want to encourage you. Um, I think I've shared before. You know, my mom, Miss Brenda, is back there. Wave your hand, Miss Brenda. <laughs> when you have a mom like Miss Brenda, it's easy to honor her. I honor you, Miss Brenda. You're an awesome mom. I couldn't do anything that I do. I could not be in a Ph.D. program without my mom. If she wasn't here, there's no way I could do it. So, Um, But I have shared before that with my dad, it was difficult. And so as a Christian, I came to the place where I said, well, okay, the Bible says that I'm to do this. And so I had to figure out a way to honor my dad in such a way that... um, I created a proximity in our relationship where it didn't allow him to dishonor me. And I managed to work that out. And um, I managed to, look, here's the reality. I don't want to dishonor my dad on Mother's Day, but he was a pretty difficult person to negotiate. And um, I had to dig deep and decided I'm going to focus on the things about him that are honorable. And, and I was. For instance, my dad was a really, really, really hard worker. He had an amazing work ethic, and I appreciated that about him. And so um, I found ways to honor him. And so if you're sitting in here today and you're thinking, this is a challenging day for me because I struggle with this, I would really encourage you as a person of faith to um, reflect on this. God knows what's good for you. He didn't create Ten Commandments just to be this big authoritarian in the heavens. It's good for you. And I can tell you that I have no regrets. My my dad's gone on now. He, He passed away in 2010. And I feel really good about the way I negotiated the end of our relationship. And a big part of that was choosing to honor him. Um, And here's another uh, reason why, I think. What we don't realize is whenever we choose to not honor our parents, we subconsciously dishonor ourselves. They are where we came from. And we can say all day, I'm nothing like my mom. I'm nothing like her. She was a terrible person. Whatever. And you really are imputing dishonor on yourself. That's why it really is a really bad thing if you're in a divorce situation to never ever talk bad about the other parent in front of the child because you're talking about where that child came from. And they can't help but take on that dishonor. You can, you can think that they get it. You can think that they understand. But they're going to take on that dishonor. And so... For the sake of your relationship uh, with the Lord, for the sake of your relationship with your parent, for the sake of your relationship with yourself, I really encourage you to find a way to honor your mom today, if that's a struggle, or even just honor the memory of your mom. If you didn't know your mom, if you were given up for adoption, honor the fact that she decided to give you a better life. If she didn't relinquish you voluntarily, honor the fact that she decided to carry you full term and not terminate the pregnancy. Find a way to honor your mom today. Um, the other thing I would like to say is maybe some of you are sitting here and you think, I'm not feeling real honored in my station as a mom. God says I need to be honored, but I'm not feeling it. And I want to say a couple of things about that. Um, I say this gently, but I'm going to be honest, and my family on the front row, they're going to keep me, keep me honest. To some degree, especially in family dynamics, I feel like we teach people how um, Early on, can I tell the story about when we first got married? <laughs> okay, Don and I, John and I, Don and I have a little bit different version of exactly what happened in the story, but the outcome was the same. The outcome was the same. Okay, so you have to understand that even though my mom was amazing, and I always thought my mom was the best mom ever, as I mentioned, it, we lived in a very, very volatile screaming, yelling, uh, violent household. And I went into being married with a, ver- with a set of non-negotiables for me and probably didn't always negotiate them the best way, maybe reactively instead of responding maybe. Like? Well, I'm about to share like. So John and I have been married a couple of weeks, and he raised his voice at me about something. And to tell you the truth, I don't even remember what it was. I don't even remember what it was. But for me, that's a non-negotiable. I feel like when we raise our voice, when we yell at someone else, we are dishonoring them. And honestly, I feel like we're dishonoring ourselves. When we scream and holler at another human being, when we call them names, when we demean them, when we insult them, we're dishonoring them and we're dishonoring ourselves. So for me, you know, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my childhood, this is not happening, this is not happening. So I basically said, if you raise your voice at me again, you're going to have a little suitcase packed on the front porch and you're going to find a place to stay for a couple of days.
1: Hilton was wonderful.
0: <laughs> now, here's the good part of that story. That didn't happen because he never yelled at me again. In 20, year, 20 how long have been 21 years, almost 22 years, he has never raised his voice at me again because I said, this, this doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. And so... The same with our kids. Um, You know, I think they could probably tell you what would happen if they ever raised their voice at me or, you know. Now, my kids are normal. We deal with an occasional eye roll and a tone of voice that have to be dealt with. But um, I, you know, it's just not, I'm I'm not going to, I'm I'm their mom, and that is a natural position, and it's a spiritual position. And that comes with certain perks, and one of those perks is you're not going to dishonor me right but i also show them honor i'm not screaming at them i'm not calling them names i'm not criticizing them i'm showing them honor as well so i'm acting honorably now some of you might say okay you've got a family dynamic and that train left the station a long time ago and i wouldn't even know where to begin so i want to share a quick story about a friend of mine that i think it's a really amazing story a friend of mine here in san diego her husband is a, a christian leader in town and um, they went through a really bad divorce. High levels of hypocrisy going on, which if you ever ask me what's about the worst thing you can do in a Christian household raising kids, trying to raise them Christian, is hypocrisy. When you've got one public image and you've got another image at home or behind the scenes, whatever. That's about, you know, the worst thing that can happen. And so um went through this divorce and there had been a lot of um, screaming and hollering. There had even been physical altercations between her and her children. And it had resulted in her being, uh, the kids just being awful to her all the time. And she said, I really don't know what to do with this. This is the way it's always been. Their dad never uh, stepped in and corrected them with how they speak to me. So um, I really don't know what to do. And so, you know, I was talking, I said, really, you can only, you're only in charge of you. So you start by being honorable. And then, so what she did was she went to them and she said, look, you've had some bad stuff going on for years. And I have dishonored you. I have screamed at you. I have physically struck you in ways beyond just spanking a child. I mean, it was bad. She said, I want things to change. So from now on, I'm not going to treat you that way, and I would like you to honor me. So from that point on, they would be on the phone. They would be there. They would get into this screaming, insulting. And she would say, oh, she, she maintained her calm and her control. And she's like, I'm your mom. The Bible says you need to honor me. So I'm not, we're not going to do this. So when you're ready to talk to me with respect, you can come back around and we'll talk about this. Look, it was hard. It took years. of them. She sometimes went months in a stalemate. But she drew the line and said, I'm not going to be dishonored. This, this is my role in your life. I am your mom, and you have to honor me. I'm not going to allow you to scream at me. I'm not going to allow you to call me names. And the good news is it took several years, but three of her four kids' relationships are fully restored on brand new terms. They can be together, and she's not grieved. She's not. You know, We're not getting together for lunch once a quarter, and she's saying, oh, my gosh, it's horrible. My daughter called me a this, this, and this, and they asked for money, and when I wouldn't give it. That's over because she drew the line and said, I'm going to treat you honorably, and I expect you to do the same. So by this point, what I'd like to say to you is, number one, honor your mom. Number two, um, walk honorably. Look, you may go to a Mother's Day celebration today, and you may not get one ounce of the honor that you are worthy of, that, that for the level of prayer, sacrifice, money... Pain that you have put into a relationship that might not happen for a while. So, what I would say to you is know that God honors you. All the sacrifice, He sees, the pain, he sees the love, He sees it all, and He honors you. That you're due from your kids. The next one is when your children go through difficulties, recognize the work God is doing in them hard one. None of us likes to see our kids going through pain. None of us likes to see when they're feeling hurt. None of us like to see if they're failing at something. It is one of the hardest things. But here's something I realized, and John can attest to this. I've gotten to the point where I will say, good. You know, if they fail at something, good. That's a good lesson for them to learn. It's one of the best things they can learn. Because that's where God works character and endurance. Let me read this uh, scripture. When troubles of of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How many of you want your children to have endurance and character? So when we intervene over and over... We are short-circuiting the work that God is trying to do. In I have, I know precious people that, that um, you know, the parents meant well. They loved them. They loved them. They almost loved them too much. Where there's a homework assignment that's due the next day, and they didn't do it. So the mom's up until midnight doing the homework. Or for the 15th time, they forget something at home, and the parent leaves work and runs home and brings it to school. Um... We don't help them. They need to feel the sting of, of either, e- e- whether it's a pain out of something that they did themselves, or even if it's not, even if, you know, they're at school and people are mean. You know what I say to my kids? Yeah. What, you're going to grow up and you're going to have work with or mean if they have a teacher that's unfair i'll be honest i don't i'm not one of those parents that goes up to the school and tells the teacher they're horrible and they don't understand my kid and and they're you know they're wrong you know what i say to them you're going to have bosses that are unfair you're going to have in-laws that are mean and i encourage them to use their communication skills their life skills to handle it on their own um, When our kids get older, now now let me put a caveat here. There are times, serious situations that we need to come in and support our kids. There's been a couple of school situations over the year that were over the line. There was a physical violence situation. There was a situation where someone was exploiting the special weakness of one of my kids. That's different. But for everyday things, I think the best thing we can do is support them as they walk through it. But don't yank them out of it. Don't fix it. Ask them. What do you think God would have you to do? Let's pray about it. Let's see what the Lord might say to to, to us about what we can do with that. And they will come out of that with tremendous strength. Now, half the time, you know, my older kids, they don't come to me. They're like, this is going on and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the teacher and I'm going to say this. I'm going to do that. They're not looking to me to fix their world. Um, and, And so when you're tempted to be really, really upset and stressed about your child walking through a difficulty... Think about this and think about, okay, God, I trust you. Good things are going to come out of this. I'm going to look for really, really positive character traits that are going to happen as a result of this trial they're walking through. Um, I had a fun opportunity. I was at a parent-teacher conference for Samuel at the middle school, and one of his teachers, Mr. Cranock, taught Bella three or four years ago. And so Mr. Cranock said to me in this meeting, he said, um, I never got to tell you something that I'm glad I have the opportunity to tell you. He said, I appreciate, I I want to tell you a story about Bella that I tell to my kids to this day, to my volleyball kids. Um, And I said, what's that? He goes, well, when she first came into middle school and she was trying out for volleyball and she didn't have a lot of experience, he said, she was okay, but she didn't make, there were two teams. There was the rec team and there was the school team. And he said, "Um, she made the rec team and all her friends made the school team and she Very disappointed and upset, and I could tell that. And uh, he said, he goes, honestly, a lot of the times when they don't make the school team, they quit. They get a bad attitude and they quit. He said, but she came back. She decided to have a good attitude about it. She was one of my most encouraging, hardworking players. And we were able to pull her up to the school team because I saw what an amazing attitude she had and her skill improved. And I thought, that's the kind of kid I want on my team. He said, so every year before we have tryouts, I give that speech. And I say, you girls have an opportunity, potentially. Show your attitude, and you may end up getting rewarded for it in the end. And he said, and I'm really glad that I have an opportunity to tell you that story because you should be really proud And so I remember that because she came home, and she was tempted to quit. And we don't let our kids quit. When they don't like what the coach is doing, when they don't like that they don't get playtime. time, that, that's, if you're going to commit to something, you're going to commit to it. And so she was tempted. She was not happy. All her friends were on the school team. And so uh, she stuck with it. And, of course, that was a proud parent moment for him to uh, say that to me. And it worked character in her. And if I had let her quit, it would have short-circuited what God wanted to do in her that situation. Next point. Determine that peace and joy will mark your journey instead of worry and anxiety. Okay, this is a a tough one. Um, I confess to having been a professional... Very high-level, very skilled warrior over the years. My husband can attest to that. It probably, I think it's gotten better. Um, I think it got a, maybe a little bit better over the years, but I'll be honest. It took this last cancer battle to really yank it out of me to get a big dose of perspective on life and what's really important and what's not important and what's worth stressing over and what's not worth stressing over, um, I was really good at making a really big deal out of really small things and exerting a whole lot of emotional energy and directions that were a waste and then looking back and things you worried about that never happened, things that worked themselves out or things that are, you know, really first world problems. I mean, you have big worries, legitimate worries as parents, but a whole lot of what we worry about in America are first world problems. And so one of my little qualifiers these days, whenever I'm going through something with the family, particularly one of the kids, I'm like, okay, let me, take, let me get a dose of perspective here. Is this a real problem, or is this a first-world problem? You know, getting into the right preschool is a first-world problem. Um, to some degree, look, we can pray about getting into a good school. That's legitimate. But freaking out about schools, that's a first-world problem. Um, freaking out about the right college, that's a first-world problem. Um, and the other thing that I'm real conscientious of is our children learn how to negotiate stress by watching us. And so I became real cognizant uh, over the last, especially during the whole cancer journey. I thought, they're watching me now. And they, if I'm a basket case and I'm upset, they're going to be a basket case and upset. And that's the last thing. That I want. And it made me really think about how I negotiated stress in general. I don't want to teach them how to not be functional and not sleep and uh, talk about things incessantly and, and, you know, I, I want them to approach life with trust. Cause here's, here's what I realized when I got down to it and I prayed about it. When we live in worry and anxiety, we are not trusting God. That's the bottom line. That's what it is. You can call it 17 other things, but underneath it all, I am not trusting God. If I'm trusting him, I am in communication with him. I'm praying so that I do know how to do my part whenever that part happens. But underneath all of that is a foundation of his sovereignty and trusting him. And so basically for me, what I was convicted of is I'm demonstrating how not to trust God to my kids. That's not what I want to get over to them. I want to get over a life walked out in trust to them. And so... Since this um, journey that I went through, I really, really try. You can ask John. It actually irritates John sometimes. Maybe there's times I should be more concerned about stuff. I don't know. But I'm just like, oh, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about that. And he's like, really? Like, yeah, I'm not going to worry about that. It's better for me. It's healthier for me. And honestly, it's healthier for my dynamic with my kids. Uh, The scripture for this is, Of course, the old standby scripture, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Pray about it and you let it go. Certainly, we have parts that we need to do. We need to do those. But a whole lot of where we spend our energy, I've found, is on things we have no control over. You know, that whole concept, if you've read the book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, you've got the circle of influence and the circle of concern. The circle of influence are the things that we really can actually do anything about, And then the circle of the concern are things that worry us, but we have no control over it. Um, And we spend so much energy. And the energy over here is wasted. It's just out the window and gone. It does nothing but drain us of emotional energy. It makes us sick. It hurts our relationships. Pray about those things, and you release them to God. And then you get back over here to the circle of influence. And a lot of time, for me, what that circle of influence is, is just relating one-on-one to them. You know? And that changes in different ways. Now Elliot is out. He's a college student. He got his own apartment. He's an adult. The way I relate to him is as kind of a grown-up. I mean, he's my son still, but I relate to him differently now than I relate to Lily or I relate to Ava. Um, but that's where my circle of influence is, is uh, making sure I'm connected to, to them, you know, at the heart and letting the rest of the stuff kind of work itself out a lot of times. Um, also, another big thing that I learned that can help your stress level in your mothering is picking your battles. I won't spend a whole lot of time on this, but this is what I'll say. Don't make an issue out of everything. Use the things that are really important, your non-negotiables. Everybody has them. My list of non-negotiables might look different from yours, but you don't want your mothering to be around Do's and don'ts and rules and have you done this and have you done that and why aren't you doing this and who's the things that are important. Like for me, I'll be honest, one I used to be about, I like order. So before they left for school in the morning, their room had to be clean or they weren't going to get media when they got home because I I don't like messy rooms. Okay, well, that just became a battle that we had a lot. And I, I realized I don't want my relationship with them to be about this they're, you know, most of them are straight-A students. They're working really hard. They're doing their music. They're doing really important stuff. So, you know I decided? I just don't go upstairs. I don't look at it. <laughs> That's how I dealt with it. I don't go upstairs. They can close their bedroom door. Now, I don't let them walk on belongings that we have paid for, because that is a stewardship. You need to take care of the stuff that we that we bought. But if there's clothes on the bed, if there's clothes on the floor... You know, if you don't put your laundry in the basket, it's not getting washed. Oh, well. You know, you can't come to me in the morning or at 12 o'clock and say, oh, my gosh. It's like, oh, that's really too bad. You know, that should have been in your laundry basket. But um, let go of the things that don't matter. Mother from um, life. And, and don't mother so much from rules. We have to have rules. We have to have structure. If you guys know me, you know that that's the truth. But mother from, from uh, love and mother from life. Next point. This is another way for you to not have anxiety and stress is this next point. Children are a stewardship. I almost put children are just a stewardship, but I didn't want to make it sound small. Um, But here's the reality. God knew our children before we ever knew them. He He had a plan for them. He knew their future. And as hard as it is for us to really get our brain around, he loves them more than we do. And sometimes if I feel inadequate for a parenting situation, it's helpful to remember, yeah, this is a stewardship. He's, they belong to him. He just gave them to me, do the best that I can with him based on the guidelines that I've learned in his word um, so that they can be successful children of God um, when they grow older. Um, the scripture is Psalm 127.3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. They're just on loan to us. You can see that two ways. It's, it's an awesome responsibility. It is. It's a huge responsibility. And that can cause us to feel a whole lot of pressure. But um, he's on the case. He is there with us. What I like to think about is whenever we're holding on to our kids, and that we're actually, both of us, are resting in his hands. He's got us. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but underneath it all, he's got us. He's got both of us. Um, This week I was talking to one of my advisors at SCSU. She's a physician and epidemiologist. And she and her husband, who also happens to be an ER physician, decided to get, they wanted to get an Abyssinian cat. So they got this Abyssinian cat and they decided they wanted to have kittens. So they bred the Abyssinian cat with this other Major bloodline Abyssinian cat from l a or something, and um, uh, Abyssinians are like were one of the later cat breeds to be de- domesticated they 're from Ethiopia, um, really really beautiful cats. but what happened was they started out with this carefree kitten that was so sweet would follow follow them all over the house and was so happy and this cat had kittens and became a neurotic wreck, so this cat. They'll come home. You know, Now, you have to imagine, this cat won the cat lottery. It's living in like a $4 million house overlooking the ocean in Point Loma. They've got state-of-the-art everything. I mean, the cat toys and the cat furniture and the birthing box that the cat had kittens in. And so this cat has got it made, but you wouldn't know it because, like, they'll come home. This, they put the birthing box in a quiet area of the house, but they'll come home, and she will have moved the kittens somewhere in the house, hidden. So then they've got to go all over the house hunting for what she did with them. One time they found them in a closet up on a shelf. She'd actually scaled up shelves and hidden. Another time they found uh, the kittens in a closet and a thing of laundry. Um, and so the latest thing she was telling me that the cat's been doing is she's over-grooming uh, the kittens out of a sense of anxiety. And so uh, she licks and licks and licks these kittens. Two of them are, like, missing fur. One of them actually has an, a sore now because this cat is over-grooming because she is so freaked out. And as she's talking to me, it, you know, it's funny. This is, you know, I thought, that's kind of how we are sometimes. This cat has no sense of how good it has it. And the, the cat has two physicians. I mean, like, they were probably more involved in this birth of these kittens than they even needed to be. But, I mean, they've, they're researchers, too. They've researched everything. They're on the phone to the breeder all the time. But this cat is clueless. The cat is acting like it's in the, you know, the safari, and there's, you know, predators crouching everywhere for these kittens, and they're in a $4 million house in Point Loma. Um, but we can do the same thing. We can operate like this over-parent, over-restrict, and... and um just like the little kittens that have those sores on their neck. Harmful. Our kids. Whenever we are so anxious that we. So um, just kind of remember when we are holding them that he is holding us. He's got it, he sees it. Not unaware of what's going on. He doesn't always swoop in and. Yank us out. We go through some hard situations. I know a lot of your guys' situations in the audience right now, and it's not fun stuff. It's real stuff, and it wasn't situations that you created. But underneath it all, you just have to trust God and know that he is on it. He's not done with them. He's not done with you, and he's not done with them. My last point is motherhood is a sisterhood. Scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 5:11. So encourage one another and build each other up just as you are already doing. I want this to be a house of encouragement. I want to be an encouraging person, not just in the church, but everywhere I go. One thing that I try to do now, if I recognize that some, You've got to be careful with this. When you recognize that someone's going through cancer, you've got to be careful. You, you can't always assume... There's certain contexts you can kind of go ahead and assume. Like I was at a conference the other day at Moores Cancer Center, and there was a gal that clearly had been going through chemo, so I could approach her. But there was another time at the mall, honestly, that I approached this lady with super short hair, and she told me, "I'm not going through chemo. I like this haircut." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I said, "I, I said, you know what? You wear it really well. Good for you. I am yes." I'm not even kidding. it was at Grossmont. it was very awkward. It was a very awkward moment but um so I tried to out of my experience and knowing how hard it is i you know i I talked to a gal at the mall who clearly she had one of the chemo chemo caps, so I knew I was, it was safe, and uh she was going in for like her second or third surgery, um kind of like me, they had found. They thought it would be okay to do a lumpectomy and then it was really, really bad. And so then she had to have a mastectomy. And she was actually going in the next day for a mastectomy. And so I've been, so I I really have found I want to be an encouragement to people like that. But also, just as moms, I don't know if we do it or if society does it. But sometimes as women, we can not be so supportive. And here's one of the reasons why I think I think sometimes we feel like if someone makes a different choice than us, It threatens the choice that we made. And especially as moms, we take that very personally. Part of our identity is a mom, but um, what we do is not our identity. What we do as a mom, that's not my identity. Uh, My identity is a child of God. Part of one of those roles is mom. But, um, you know, we can have a disagreement about certain things, and that's okay. And we've gone through seasons in this church where we've had little factions of you know, uh, if you send your kids to public school, you are turning them over to Satan. That was one quote. Um, if, you, if you schedule feed your child instead of demand feed, that's child abuse. Um, if you, you know, choose to vaccinate or to not vaccinate, you're bad. Here's what I would like us to be as believers who are moms. Find what works for you, and we respect people's right to make different choices. It doesn't mean that... um, you know, we have our kids in public school. I support your right to homeschool. I don't think you're weird if you homeschool. I have homeschool. you probably heard John say, we've done Christian school, we've done homeschool, we've done public school. We're making public school work. That might not work for you. And I really support your right to say that. Some of you feel very strongly about parenting styles. Some of you feel like the baby should always be fed on demand. I support you. If, that, if that's what you want to do, you do that. I didn't do it that way. But I don't think you're a bad parent for doing it that way. Um, We've had people leave the church because of my position on vaccines. And because I'm an epidemiologist, you can probably guess what that is. But you have a right to make a choice for your child what you want to make. Here's my point I feel like, in a body, and this could be expanded into so many other areas, when we choose to surround ourselves only with people who agree with us, we become weaker. Honestly, I believe that's part of the problem with with some aspects of the American church. is we like to cloister ourselves off in groups of only people who are like us. We only want our kids hanging out with Christians. We only want them listening to Christian music. We rarely have contact with anybody... Look, many times, if I wasn't going to school, I would rarely have an opportunity to share my faith with people because most of my life activities are with Christians and at Christian events. And I don't believe that that's the way God intended, he intended us to be the salt and light. He intended our children to be the salt and light. Now, I'm not saying you're wrong if you have your kids in Christian school or you That's a, That's a great choice for you. I would say I think it's great to allow our kids to be out away from the cloistered Christian environments, and be the salt and light, and see what it's like to be exposed to different ideas and different thoughts. And it's great conversation. Our kids come home from school, and it's a great opportunity to talk about what happened at school, how someone, you know, Ava had a poor kid that just made a really bad choice and brought a knife to school. He didn't have any intention on hurting anyone, but to say that it caused an uproar is an understatement. And this poor little fifth grader got expelled because of the climate that we have nowadays, but he comes from a broken home and they live in Section 8 housing and there's just a broken situation there and the parents are doing the best that they can and um, the poor parents were just crying and crying at the school and it was a good opportunity to approach the situation with understanding and understand, look, not everybody comes from an intact home, not everybody can afford to have dance lessons and buy whatever they want to buy at the grocery store. We shouldn't judge people that make poor choices, because one day we might make a poor choice, and the mercy that we extend to them is going to be the mercy we're going to need back from other people. So I guess what I'm trying to say in this last point is um, let's encourage one another. And here's the thing. I have one funny little story to close with, but Whenever Elliot and Bella were, Elliot was about four and Bella was about two. And I had had them out shopping, which is something I rarely did for reasons that are probably obvious. It's just not something I like to do. I just, you know, I want to go. I'm not like a brow. I like to go from point A to point B, get this, get that, get out. And I don't like dragging children with me. And so, Elliot and Bella, we had been doing errands, and we're in Trader Joe's, and I'm in the freezer section. And they are being, um, they're fighting. They had been fighting all day, and it was making me nuts. And so I lean in at the freezer section to them, and I'm like, right now, or you are going to get this. And it's like that, you're not yelling, but it's that very mom means business voice. And so there was this lady nearby, and she thought it would be, um, She thought it would be a good idea to come over and give me some advice right there in Trader Joe's in front of my kids. And let's just say I didn't appreciate it very much. I didn't appreciate it, number one, because it was in front of my kids. Number two, I didn't appreciate it because I was in that moment where I'm just like they have made me nuts all day long. And so I think she came up to me in front of them. She says, you know, I just want to tell you, you this really isn't it. You know, this right here, you just need to let it go. You, know, you just don't need to deal with this. And, and I'm thinking, you have no idea what they have put me through all day long. <laughs> and so the person I am today would respond very differently, okay? But I basically, I basically said, I said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, just, you know, you don't need to get so upset. I'm like, I said, what did I do? He said, well, I can just tell you're upset. I'm like, did I do something that you think needs correcting? And she said, well, no, I mean, you know, I can just tell you're very upset. I said, yeah, I'm upset. I said, but, you know, clearly you found it was necessary to come over here and correct me, so tell me exactly what it is that I did that was wrong. And then, and then maybe I can correct it. And this, and this woman is like, whoa. I mean, I really did. I have to be honest. I was later, years later, maybe, I was embarrassed by it because here's why. I'll tell you why. It, it starts with a P. Pride. I don't like having people give us input. Um, you know, and that's something I had to examine about myself. If my first reaction is to be defensive, anybody, anytime anybody tries to give me input, whether it's a spouse, a boss, a coworker, a friend, I need to, you know, we don't always have to own it. We don't always have to own under 100%. But how about we be humble enough to, to listen and say, you know what, you might be right. And even if I don't agree with it 100%, I can say, okay, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to pray about that. You know, what it revealed to me was I was insecure in my parenting. I knew that in that moment I was completely over the edge. I mean, it wasn't like I was screaming and beating them in the middle of Trader Joe's, but it was enough for this woman to come over and, and say something to me. Um, But in closing, uh, what I want to say on this motherhood as a sisterhood point is um, let's be a community of moms who love and support one another, who can confide in one another without fear of criticism, who can be weak with one another, who can say, you know, um, I'm having a struggle with one of my kids without fear that our child's going to be judged or that we're going to be judged. Um, here's what I believe about all of you in here: is We're all doing the best that we can. We all want the best for our kids. And that's the bottom line. It, it expresses itself in many different ways. But um, we all love our children desperately and want the best for them. And, um, I, you know, I, t- I went to a birthday party the other day for one of our kids' friends. And it was, uh, I was just shocked. It was in... It was in a really bad part of town at a
1: really,
0: really, really run down. With a family that was really just doing the best that they could. And the mom was, had, it was a single mom, and she was trying really hard to put on the best birthday that she could, what she had for her child. I was so moved because I just wasn't, I just had no idea. And I walked away from that thinking, uh, and the, the, the mom didn't speak any English at all. I couldn't even really communicate her. I communicated through one of her sons. And I thought, you know, underneath it all, we all just want what's best for us. Um, regardless of our, our race, our station in life, whether we live in Solana Beach or we live on the backside of Ramona, all want what's best for our kids. We're all doing the best that we can. Um, And I believe differences make us stronger. Um, So if anything I've said up here today has offended you, please come tell me. Don't get offended and leave. Um, I respect your right to disagree. But um, I just want to pray for all the moms today that hopefully something that I said here encouraged you in an area that you're, whether you're mothering little children or you're mothering adults, we just want you to leave here today feeling honored. So let's pray. God, we realize that Mother's Day is a man-made holiday that happens once a year, but that your intention from your word is clear, that mothers are to be honored always. It's a spiritual thing. It's a sacred thing. So the first thing I want to say is that all the, I pray that all the moms today walk out of here standing a little bit taller, um, a little bit straighter, with the honor that comes from you. Even if they go today and they don't get any honor for children that they have blood, sweat, and tears for, God, I pray that you would supernaturally impart honor to them today, God, that you honor. The love, the sacrifice, the tears, and the pain, God, it's clear. It's clear from your word. You are a sacred thing. You see it. God, I pray today that you give divine connections to children and moms, or even if it's just spiritual moms or um, adoptive moms, biological moms, God, that you supernatural things in relationships between mothers and children today. I pray that all of us would learn, God, how to walk in the honor uh, that that you bestowed on us and not allow ourselves to be dishonored. I pray that we would learn to trust you with our children, whether they're babies and we're making decisions about schooling or feeding or whether they're adults and we're watching them struggle in their marriages or having financial problems and we just have to sit there and watch them God, that you would help us to trust you and to know that you, underneath the who are cradling the children in their arms, God, that you have us a the palm of your hand. And God, I pray that you would continue to develop a divine sisterhood where we can love and support one another, where differences are not advised, but that we keep an open mind and we learn from one another. Thank you, God, for our moms.
1: Amen. For those that know me, uh, you know, I've said that I live with the book of Proverbs. That's what that is right there. That was the book of Proverbs, like the whole book. You just got the whole book. Uh, just, I've always said that hope just carries such practical, tactical wisdom with her just to the point. Uh, I remember one time I was teaching at um, San Diego State University. I was in the uh, Christian um, the Christian club there, or whatever it is. About 40 kids around, all evangelicals. None of them had been introduced to the baptism, the Holy Spirit, the power of God. So I was teaching for about 40 minutes on it, and the hope said, Can I, I, can I say something? I said, Sure. So she got up, and she said like 30 seconds, and everyone went, Oh, okay, we get it now. She is just the sharpest knife in the drawer, and what a privilege. This is her first Sunday, this is her first time to ever preach an entire message on a Sunday morning. And now I feel like I have to up my game, because that was really good. Okay, so um, ladies, uh, uh, moms, you're going to get a flower on your way out, just our way of honoring you. It's a carnation. And uh, But I want us to uh, do two things real quick. Um, so will you just, let's come to the Holy Spirit together. We, we are a church that believes in the supernatural. It's not just teaching, but it's actual Holy Spirit uh, activity. So um, close your eyes for a moment, if you would. And know that the Holy Spirit is working with you right now in your soul. If you feel that you have in any way dishonored your mom, would you just confess that to the Lord right now as sin? Uh, no excuses, no rationalization, just call it what it is, because God says honor your mother. Will you just tell him, if it's you, I have not in certain ways at a certain time that I'm asking you to forgive me for that sin right now. And now for everybody, well, first I want to say by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did for you on the cross, you are forgiven. And that sin is completely erased and gone. And now I ask everybody to come to the Holy Spirit and ask him, show me how to honor my mom. Um, Whether it's difficult or not difficult, he'll give you a very specific way because he knows your mom. The Holy Spirit knows your mom. So let's just get quiet for a moment and ask him that question and see what comes up in your mind. Say, so, Holy Spirit, uh, how can I honor my mother today? And just get quiet and listen. You now, he may or may not have given you something, but if he did, do it. And if he hadn't, it did not, uh, continue to ask him that question along the way for the rest of your life. He will give you ways to honor your mom. When you honor your mom, you're honoring God. The last thing I want to ask is this: If there's anybody here today in the church and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the greatest gift you'll ever receive is salvation for your soul. I was raised uh, in the Catholic uh, religion, and all I knew was that um, I didn't really know much, honestly. When you and me, I just knew tradition and rituals. But I did not know if when I died, if I was going to heaven or not. It was just a big question mark. I was never given that assurance. Maybe you were raised Catholic and it was different for you. But for me, it was just going to church. It was not a personal relationship with Jesus. I did not know if I died, I was going straight to heaven. Now I know that. I know the gospel. That if you have the Son, you have life. You have eternal life if you have the Son. If you do not have the Son, you do not have eternal life. Jesus is the door. So this morning, I'm going to ask you, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, God wants to forgive you today. And I want to pray with you uh, for Jesus to come into your life. that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray from here for you. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I've never asked Jesus to be the Savior of my life for the forgiveness of my sins, but I want to do that right now. Would you raise your hand right where you are so I can see it? I'm going to pray for you. Anybody at all? Okay. I'm going to ask you in a moment. We're all going to stand. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front. And they're going to pray for the sick. Jesus is doing miracles. We see some great stuff in here. Um, and if you want to give your life to Christ, you didn't raise your hand right then, you can come down front. The prayer teams will pray for you. Uh, maybe you have some um, wounds regarding your relationship with your mom. You want prayer for it? That can be done down here as well. Um, Jesus said, wherever two or more agree in prayer... Whatever you ask, my Father in heaven will do it. We believe that. So let's all stand this morning. And once again, can we thank Hope for preparing that message and delivering such a great word for us today? And God, we love you. We honor you. Jesus, we love you and absolutely unashamed of you, Jesus. We will not be embarrassed of you, Jesus, in the private or in public, no matter where we are. You hung on a cross in public for us. We will live our lives out loud for you And Holy Spirit, we are not embarrassed by you. You bring the life of God to us and to our children and to our grandchildren. And so, Lord, in your name, I pray a blessing over the grandmas, the grandpas, the moms, the dads, the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren. Lord, may your uh, face continue to shine upon us this week. May your spirit rest upon us in power. And may we honor you by being the salt and light of the world in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said... Amen. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Get your flower on the way out. Prayer teams, come down. If you need prayer, come down. Have a great day.